0: breastplate of righteousness father among other things lord we we just pray that we would make that decision not to turn back lord but to follow jesus father we thank you and we give you glory blessed tonight we pray in jesus name amen good evening do not you say hello to the person next to you hello, hello. Oh, hi. hi amen Hey, you in the back. Hi. How's everybody doing tonight? Are you enjoying the, uh, the heat wave tonight? Is that a yes or a no? <laughs> of course not. You know, I was uh, just uh, remembering looking at the news reports this morning. I was remembering 12 years ago, I had the privilege of uh, going to uh, Mississippi after Hurricane uh, Katrina. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget the devastation that was caused by flooding. So I can only imagine what the people of Houston and, and parts of Texas are going to deal with in the coming it's not just when, when the storm is out of the way that it's done. No, there's a, the devastation is yet to come. The damage. You know, if that if the floodwaters are 4 or 5 feet high in your house, everything's gone. Everything's gone and they got to cut the drywall and it's you know to wherever that flood line is and they got to put it all out on the sidewalk, basically, and the Army Corps of Engineers comes and picks up all the debris, and they have nothing in their home. So, I want to pray and and, and lift that situation up to you, not not only uh, immediately, right now, today, but in the coming weeks and months. The people that'll, uh, that are that are going to be there to to support them, including the church, especially the church, because we have an opportunity to do great things uh, in in those situations and. And because we don't charge to do all the work, you know, it uh, it can really be a blessing to uh, to the people that are devastated in Texas. So let's pray uh, for them quickly, and and we'll get into the study. Father, we uh, lift up the people of Texas to you, Lord, and even the surrounding states, Lord, that are affected by this uh, this storm, Lord, uh, this hurricane, Lord. Uh, I pray that if you will, Lord, by your mighty hand that you would cause that storm to dissipate and to move on, that it wouldn't stay in one place and cause so much damage, Lord. If you will, Lord, I pray that you would just do a mighty work, Father, and, and, and protect those people and, and heal those people and comfort those people in the midst of absolute devastation, Lord. The damage that flooding can do, we know, and, and Lord, we pray that you would just touch them and go before them. Lord, I also pray for those that will respond those that are able to respond and to go to these areas, Lord, wherever we're able to set up camp, Lord, that we would be able to, to, to help citizens in these local communities and, uh, and just begin that work of, uh, of rebuilding. Father, uh, just make a way for the body of Christ to do uh, the work that we're able to do, Father, and go before us. Father, we pray that, uh, that you would bless uh, every person that can respond and enable them. be there, Father, but especially comfort those that are going through this, Lord, and and just uh, keep them in your grace, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I want to start with a question. What are the spiritual disciplines that exist in your life today? In other words, what exercises or patterns uh, have you established, have I established, that can put me in a, in a better position? That can put me in a better position to, to serve the Lord? It can put me in a better position to become more knowledgeable and more useful in the kingdom of God. What have you established to help you, to get you going in that direction? So tonight, I want to look at one set of instruments. And there's a few sets of instruments in Scripture that the Lord gives to us to establish these spiritual disciplines. And I want to talk about what is called the armor of God. Hopefully you've all uh, read uh, the armor of God in Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight and spend a lot of time there. See, if we can look at the armor of God with a mindset that says, I can put on, I can put on these principles and live my life from a much stronger position than before, then what I'll be doing is, of course, I'll be making my life stronger, my walk stronger. I'll be fortifying my life with this truth from God's Word. And that's what we all should be trying to do, is making our life stronger and making our position stronger because of what Christ has done for us. That's what we just sang about. See, we will benefit greatly if we spend time looking at all the instruments in Scripture, And this particular set of instruments, if we can can put them on like clothing, then we're going to benefit greatly if we practice these things, these principles from Scripture. If we put on the armor of God, we'll be ready to stand against the tricks, the strategies, the methods that the enemy intends to entice us with. The tricks, the strategies, the methods that the enemy intends to deceive us with. And there's so much of that going on. It hasn't changed, and it will always be the case that the enemy will try. Anything he can, anything that he can find in his uh, bag of tricks, if you will, to take you down, to slow you down, to make you ineffective in the things of God. So we begin in, in Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to start off just with one verse and go into a little summary here. It says in verse 10, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul says finally here. Interesting word. He says finally, which means that there is something else I have to share with you. And this speaks of a conclusion to all the other things that he's been speaking about in the book of Ephesians, in this, this letter to the Ephesian church. So I, I want to take just a minute to summarize uh, what he has uh, talked about in the, in the book of Ephesians. And in in two different ways, in three short paragraphs, and then even look at a a shorter summary, a summary of the summary, if you will, uh, in three particular words. So let's begin with the three paragraphs. See, in this book, we can see that he has shared with them about their position in Christ. He begins the letter talking about redemption and what redemption is and by whom it is accomplished. He speaks about how we are chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Then he talks about our new life in Christ. Our new life in Christ and how we now have access to God through Jesus Christ. He concludes both chapter 1 and chapter 3 with very powerful prayers. He then begins in in chapter 4 to talk about the things that we should practice as Christians. He exhorts the church to walk in unity using the gifts that God has given to you, the the gifts that he's blessed you with. And he talks about how we should use them in our home, use them in our work, and use them in our ministry life. That's three short paragraphs. It doesn't really do the book justice, but uh, we can spend a lot of time reading that letter to the Ephesian church. Three words, sit, stand, and walk. Sit. Sit. Chapters 1 and 2, sit in all that God has done for you, in all that he's blessed you with. Stand, stand on the principles. Stand on the principles spoken of in this book and begin to move forward in Christ and walk. Verses, uh, chapters 5 and 6, walk, walk in a way that is worthy of the calling that has been placed upon your life. So he says finally, in verse 10, Finally, there's something else I have to share with you. In other words, after all of that, he's not done yet. There's something else I have to share with you. And that brings us to chapter 6, verse 11. And what he's doing here is he's telling us to empower yourselves in this new position, this new reality. Rest in these declarations. Enter into his provision and be strong in the Lord. Again, the verse says in verse 10, It's right here somewhere. (laughs) I have it over here. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11. We'll read verses 11 through 18 and dig in. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful of uh, to this to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints see we should put on the whole armor of god in practice both offensive and defensive weapons that are spoken of here. We should no longer use the weapons that are carnal and worldly, but we should put on what God has provided, the power that the Lord makes available to us. As Christians, we must be prepared and equipped if we're going to be able to to stand against the schemes, the trickery and the deception of the devil. See, when you consider, and a couple of weeks ago I shared on the, uh, the, uh, the parable of the sower, and in that parable, Jesus says that the, the enemy will come and, and, and take those seeds that have been planted in your heart. So I, I borrowed a paragraph from that. Uh, and Because when you consider the names given to the devil in Scripture, you can see how his influence causes people to stand in opposition to the things of God. And we see people all around us standing in opposition to the things of God. In Scripture, he's called the devil, which means slanderer or false accuser. The tempter in 1 Thessalonians. The wicked one in Matthew 13. The ruler of this world in John 12. The god of this age in 2 Corinthians. The prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2. A roaring lion in 1 Peter 5. And the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12. See, it is the devil, his influence, and his power that energizes the world's system that we live in. He seeks to destroy the work that God is doing in his people. And many, maybe, you've, maybe you can, uh, I, I think all of us can probably say to one, some extent or another that, that the enemy's tried to trick you. The enemy's tried to deceive you. The enemy's tried to slow you down. He's done a work. And sometimes it's been effective. But we can stand against those things. See, if we're going to stand up in spiritual warfare, we must fight this battle. This spiritual battle on God's terms, and not on our own. Because our, on our own terms, we, we're not very strong when it comes to the enemy and his strength. So we have to fight this battle on God's terms, and that's what the armor of God deals with and points us toward. See, in this passage on the whole armor of God, we see what great provision God has made for his people. The picture that we see here is that of an ancient soldier prepared for battle. So we begin with the belt of truth in verse 14. Belt of truth says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth is speaking of subjective truth. In other words, what is your perception of God's word? What is your faithfulness to God's word? See, the belt of truth acts as a girdle protecting our midsection so that we can stand our ground against the battles that are before us. God desires truth. That is sincerity on the inside. He wants truth. And he wants to know what's really going on on the inside. So we put on the belt of truth because we have all the instruments, all the different things that God gives to us to put on and put into place in our lives so that we can be stronger. Turn to John uh, chapter 3. Now, before we go to that verse, at verse 20, I want you to picture in your mind a police officer. And all the gear and all the equipment that that they are issued to protect and to serve their community. Where do they carry a lot of that gear, most of that gear? The holster, the gun, the the cuffs, the baton, the the, the bullets, the radio to communicate. They're all carried on or around the belt, aren't they? And see, we need to do the same thing. All of those instruments, all of those tools, we keep on, our, on the inside. We keep on the inside, and it's, the picture here is a belt of truths to protect our midsection, to protect our inward parts, just like a police officer. In John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, it says, "...for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed." But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So to do the truth is to believe in the one whom God has sent. To do the truth is to have assurance and confidence in God's plan of salvation. To do the truth is to surrender all to him, just like the song we just sang. I have decided to follow Jesus. To surrender all to him that he might get rid of those things that we don't need and make room for those things that we do. Because remember, he's given us all. All that we need to live a life of godliness is what scripture tells us. When we have the word of truth buckled around us, transformation takes place and spiritual growth is the result, isn't it? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth of God. Jesus told Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth, and it is his words and his teaching that we must learn, believe, and apply to our lives. Without the belt of truth, we cannot engage in spiritual warfare with any advantage or prospect of success. The next instrument in the armor of God is found also in verse 14. And it's called the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14, again, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. For a soldier, the breastplate breastplate protects his chest and his heart from the enemy attacks. The breastplate of righteousness refers to the sanctifying righteousness of Christ. Christ. It refers to the fact that God supplies righteousness and salvation, and we cannot enter in or be righteous on our own efforts. Righteousness is defined as holy and upright living in accordance with God's standard. And the word comes from a root word meaning straightness. As believers, we're to live a life of straightness and enter in through a narrow gate. You may have heard the illustration of a trash can. <laughs> what is a trash can? Usually a trash can has a fairly big opening. Even if it's a little waste basket, it's still got a kind of a, a wide opening in a sense, you know. Uh, wide enough that, you know, if you're a basketball fan, you could try to, you know, try to uh, make it from a distance, right? Then you always got to go and pick it up, right? Um, but, you know, a trash can is, is designed to be wide and open so that a lot of s- trash can go in there, right? But we have to be narrow-minded. We have to enter into the narrow gate. We have to be focused on the things of God. In what little ways each and every day, with little habits and little, little disciplines that we choose, that we find in Scripture to implement into our lives and each step, one step at a time, we draw closer to the Lord, don't we? Because it's a narrow approach and it's all found in God's Word. See, that, that which God has already accomplished is what we're to put on and wear. It's the truth that we are to use to protect and to empower us to practice a life of holiness. Again, one step at a time. Because we all mess up. We all have bad days. We all have situations that occur that, that, uh, that just throw a wrench into things. Everybody has that, but we can, we, we can always seek the Lord and try to get straight, try to get right again because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, because of what he's already accomplished for our sake. See, when man willfully rebels against the things of God, it makes him unable to take action against his own sin. If we're rebelling, we can't deal with the things that we need to deal with. We all have within us a will to do good and a will to do bad. If we feed the desires of the flesh, then the desires of the Spirit will just fade away. So we need to focus on the things of the Spirit, don't we? And fulfill not the lust of the flesh. See, the cross of Christ is a public demonstration of God's righteousness. The suffering that he endured and the perfect sacrifice that he offered was accepted by a holy God as payment for the penalty of the sin of the world. God accounts or transfers the righteousness of Christ to those who trust in him. And that's why the picture is painted here of putting on the breastplate of righteousness, what God has accomplished for all of us. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. I should have told you sooner. but In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, we'll read the... A verse there. Philippians chapter three, verse eight and nine says, "Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness." which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. See, it's beautiful because Paul is explaining here. Paul is explaining that he's decided to follow Jesus. He's explaining that, that he has chosen to put everything else aside. He's willing to lose it and to count it as rubbish. His desire was to teach that Christ was in the believer and the believer in Christ. He wanted to demonstrate in his own life that he understood these truths and that nothing else really mattered. Yeah, we still have to do life, no doubt. But we do it understanding that God's in control. We do it understanding and knowing that he's going to work all things together for good. We do it knowing that whatever we're going through right now, that he's going to meet us right where we're at, and he's going to get us through. See, if we can understand, if we can understand that we can only be reconciled to a holy God by the righteousness of Christ, then we can wear that truth as clothing, as armor, as a breastplate to protect us and to strengthen us. Then we can begin to understand that God does indeed provide all that we need The breastplate of righteousness makes us stronger because it protects our chest and our hearts from enemy attacks. It gives us the boldness and the confidence to to know that the righteousness that he gives is real. It empowers us to live for him. The next instrument in the armor of God is the gospel of peace. We see that in verse 15. It says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the more we know the gospel message, the better equipped we become. The more we know, the better prepared we are to give people an answer to the hope that lies within us. We were at a memorial service on Friday. And it's, it's I mean, it's bittersweet because you know that if it's a believer, it's, it's, it's a homecoming. You know, but you miss that person. You miss that person desperately. And there's been quite a few memorial services lately. You know, but again, if they're a believer, it's, it's beautiful because we know where they're at. We know what's going on. We know what they've been through. We know that they're no longer dealing with all the stuff that we still have to, to deal with. But it's hard because we miss them. But we can... The more we know the gospel the better prepared we are to give an answer, to give an answer to the hope that lies within us. And these individuals, when they were living, they gave a hope. They gave an answer to the hope that lied within them. And that was their testimony. And that was the, the you know, the, the memorial, what the memorial was all about. Their testimony was that, that that's what they did. That's what their life was all about. Walking with Christ. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. You see, the truth of the gospel provides stability, just like a good pair of shoes does. That's what this verse is talking about here. It's, it's, It's painting that picture. The more stable we are, the more peace we will have in what God's word says. The more stable we are, the more willing we'll be to take take steps of faith in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. In Colossians 1, verse 23, it says, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of, under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. See, the gospel allows us to be grounded and steadfast in the hope of heaven. When we read God's word, it can meet us right where we're at. It can meet us right at our greatest point of need. And I I hope that everyone can understand that, and everyone here has experienced that. If not, if you haven't, read. Read a little bit every day. Read through Scripture in a year if you can, through the whole Bible. But if you can't, read what you can. And let the Lord touch you. Let the Lord minister to you. Let him meet meet you at your greatest point of need. The gospel of peace establishes that stability. That stability produces peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. When we know that our feet are on solid ground, then we know that we can move forward in the things of God. The next instrument in the armor of God is the shield of faith in verse 16 it says above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one see the shield was a large oval shield that was designed to absorb the fiery darts that the enemy throws at the soldiers now faith is described in scriptures as, as as being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, we read that in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is remaining confident in God in that he will do what he has said he's going to do even when the evidence does not support it. There was a song that we sang tonight and I forget the the title of that song, but... It talked about that. Even when you don't answer my prayers, I believe it said, I'll trust in you. Even when you don't, even when the evidence isn't there, even when you don't give me what I'm asking for, you're going to give me what I need. And I know that. And I will trust in you because of that. It takes faith to understand that. It takes faith to experience that. But we have to go there. We have to remain confident in what God has said he will do. So, so as you, as you put on the The gospel of peace and you're reading God's word and and something just nourishes you something just ministers to you and gives you strength you don't forget that do you you don't forget that you shouldn't forget that and and you remember what God gave you last week or last month or last year and in faith you hang on to what he's telling you even when the evidence doesn't suggest it's going to happen because he'll do it in his time, not in yours. He'll do it according to his will, not according to yours. See, the shield of faith then can quench all the fiery darts. And, and whenever God gives us something, the, the, the enemy will start hammering you. He'll pounce on you, won't he? The enemy will try to bring doubt into your life. But the shield of faith quenches those fiery darts, the furious temptation, the violent and sudden injections of the devil. The greater our faith, the greater our ability, our ability to extinguish those fiery temptations with the shield of faith. Look at the picture that's being painted here. As our faith increases, we'll be able to stand up against the deception and the seduction that the, uh, that the enemy wants to throw at you. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter 10. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, the shield of faith is a mighty weapon that we can use to pull down strongholds, to pull down those things that, that, that have, are kind of hanging on to your life and keeping and dragging you down. Those things that are just in your life that don't need to be in your life, but you've tried everything. But the shield of faith, again, it's a weapon that can be used to pull down those strongholds, those arguments, those things that try to exalt themselves against the things of God. The flaming darts that come by way of deception and negative thoughts can be extinguished with the shield of faith. Our faith in the Lord and the testimony of His Word can cast down anything keeping keeping us from living a Christ-centered life. And so many times this happens just one step at a time, just one day, one piece at a time. But little by little we gain that strength and we can... Build on that strength, can't we? The next armor, the next instrument in the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. We see that in verse 17. Verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. See, we should receive that which protects our minds from doubting. Doubting what the Lord has already accomplished in our lives. Again, the breastplate of righteousness. The helmet is worn to guard the head from a blow by a sword, by a club, or by an axe. The helmet secures the head and gives us hope, keeping us looking ahead to what God wants to accomplish. I like the way one commentator put it. I want to read a very short paragraph here. It says the hope of continual safety and protection built on the promises of God to which the upright follower of Christ feels he has a divine right, protects the understanding from being darkened and the judgment from being confused by any temptations of Satan or subtle arguments of the sophistical ungodly. He who carries Christ in his heart cannot be cheated out of the hope of his heaven. I like the way he said that. See, we have to protect our minds, don't we? We have to protect our minds from the attacks and the confusion that we can all face. If we keep our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, we can move forward, can't we? We can move forward and we can look forward because we're not looking back. By looking forward, we're not looking behind at the attacks that are meant to torment and to trouble us. And there's plenty of attacks. Paul told Timothy, he says, God has not given a spirit of fear. He's given us a a, a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We have to remember that, don't we? We have to practice that. We have to believe that and implement that in our lives. The last instrument in the armor of God is the sword of the Spirit in verse 17. And verse 17 says, and, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here we have the only offensive weapon listed here. The sword of the Spirit. Turn to, turn to Matthew chapter 4 as we conclude. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word, when it is spoken by when it is spoken is living and powerful, isn't it? And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It has the power to convince. It has the power to convert. It has the power to bring comfort. And as believers, we need to use the sword of the Spirit to combat the enemy assaults. We need to use God's Word just as Jesus did when He was tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, and this is... uh, Uh, quite uh, quite a few verses, but I think it's worth looking at because it's a perfect example of how to use the sword of the Spirit. Beginning at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4, it says, "...then Jesus was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterwards hungry. And when the tempter came to him and said, "...if you are the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread." But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him upon a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took, uh, took him up into a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. See, Jesus used the sword of the Spirit masterfully. And with power, and and, and with power, and the tempter left him. And that's what we're supposed to do. If we use the sword of the Spirit and if we put on the whole armor of God, we'll be able to stand. Interesting how these three temptations represent the category of all sin. And that's what Jesus was tempted with. Verses 1 through 4, it's, a, it's a, the temptation of materialism. Verses 5 through 7. 5 through 7 is the, the pride of life, or the pri- uh, pride in one's accomplishments. In verses 8 through 10 is the lust of the eyes. These are the places where the enemy wants to make you fall. And it shows us all why we need the armor of God. See, Jesus responds beautifully again in verse 4, verse 7, and verse 11 with the term, it is written. And then he quoted scripture. Because we know that the things that the devil was trying to tell him weren't complete. He had taken scripture and he had misquoted scripture. He misapplied Scripture, but Jesus corrected him. It is written, and this is what God's Word says. You see, without the armor of God, the Christian is not able to stand. We need to fight this battle on God's terms and not on our own. But one last part of this, because he concludes talking about the armor of God by encouraging the saints to always pray. Always pray and be watchful with perseverance. He says that in verse 18. He says, Praying always and with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. See, no matter how complete the armor, no matter how skilled the armor bearer, no matter how courageous we may become, we may be certain that without prayer we shall be defeated. So it's all of these things, isn't it? But it starts with prayer. It's the last point here, but it starts with prayer. Again, these are the spiritual disciplines that we can establish in our lives, the the patterns and the exercises that we need to take steps so that we can become stronger in the things of God. And it starts with prayer. So prayer, reading God's Word, being in fellowship on a regular basis, These are the patterns. These are the exercises that Scripture gives us that will strengthen us in our walk with Christ. He's given us the ability to overcome in every battle. Every battle that we face. Sometimes it's His timing and not our own. But again, we trust in Him. We wait on Him and and, and we remember what He has told us and what He He has met us when we read His Word. He's given us The the ability to overcome. He set us apart from the rest of the world. And He's enabled us to get rid of the old things and make room for the new things that He has for us. We can overcome the world. We can overcome the flesh if we put on the whole armor of God, if we put on our battle gear. We can overcome and have victory in Christ Jesus if we apply the principles of Scripture spoken of here and if we seek to have the mind of Christ. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. And we need to walk worthy of the calling that has been placed upon our lives. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the power of your word, the beauty of your word, Lord, the promise of your word. And Lord, we pray now, Father, every single person here, we're in a particular position, we're in a particular place with you, we're in a particular point in our walk with you, Lord. I pray that you'll meet every person here right where they need, need to be met. Meet them at, their, at that absolute point of need, Lord, and minister to them touch them and draw them and encourage them to take the steps that they need to take even if they're small baby steps lord that you would show us how you give us strength that you would show us how you enable us to do more things for you god bless this time bless this time minister to everybody that's listening lord and just uh, just touch them and strengthen them from this day forward bless them lord we pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Um, of course, when I come up here, I get to I get to remind you. There's an actual.